Okay, Anthony, thank you for joining me here today. And it's uh, 1st of January. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And um, I would like to talk to you about like two subjects in particular today. And um, one being that you are the founder and creator of uh, Make Wit Music. And um, as we know, like the the internet, like the whole world uh, of communication, uh, social media and websites, and um, especially this last year, um, things have changed considerably. And I would like to, well, just freely talk with you about how your experience has been so far uh, with running a labor of love um, dedicated to music on the internet. And it's something that is that is not. I mean, I think it's it's many things turned into one. Like it's a it's a music magazine in a way. I don't think that anybody's ever talked about it that way. But I think it really is, and and it's sort of also like a personality thing about you, and and then you know the the people that you feature are mostly, I guess, like artists that you enjoy also. And so please tell me how it started and um yeah what yeah just tell me how it started sure i can't say make weird music started from a place of positivity although that's where it ended up like many musicians i think i was just feeling sorry for myself and i had written and released a lot of music um, I have three actually released solo albums that I now never talk about. <laughs> and I have two or three other albums of material that have just sat on hard drives. And Make Weird Music is kind of the... It's kind of born out of my own frustration where no one would listen to what I was doing or pay attention to it. And it, at the time, I thought it's because I wasn't very good and I didn't think anybody really cared about me. And that's fine. There's actually nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the problem manifested itself in just an unhealthy way for me. And I, I have this compulsion to create and write and make videos I was making videos in 2006 with a really crummy webcam and and people still watched that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I enjoyed making it. So I thought, well, if I am not interesting to myself or most people, then why don't I just make content about music that I love, that other people love too? And so the site kind of started as like a Wikipedia for interesting musicians. Mm -hmm. And I have a copy of the old version of the website, but it was basically an index of interesting musicians. And you could click on their page and I was doing, you know, the portraits and stuff like that and just writing about them kind of in a wiki style for, geared toward people who care about music. And over time... Maybe, when, when was uh, that? When was that? Oh, that was March of 2014 when I started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after 
six to 10 months, I was talking to a friend of mine about it. And um, he said, oh, yeah, that sounds really cool, man. I'd love to, I'd love to check that out. Um, but I'm doing a lot of stuff in my studio right now, and I'm kind of rebuilding it. And um, all my time and attention is on that. And I, th I thought, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. It'd be cool to, to do a video on that or something, you know? Um, I don't know why I just find it interesting <laughs> to make videos about that kind of thing. So uh, we talked about it, but it never really happened. And he goes, and then another friend I was talking to, he goes, uh, you know, you're friends with Steve Vai. You should probably talk to him on, uh, on video. I bet that would do pretty well. And I thought, no, that's a dumb idea. Like I, I I have a long friendship with Steve Vai and we never talked about music. Like music and guitar were two of the last things we ever discussed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but eventually I was convinced and another friend or a, a guy who is now my book publisher, he was just a random person on the internet who found my site. He said, uh, hey, I'm friends with Mike Keneally. You should interview him for your website. I'll get you guys introduced. And so we just, uh, that got me excited and the Steve interview idea got me excited. And so I just coordinated a trip out to LA and San Diego and uh, filmed these two interviews. And that really kind of started the whole thing that it is now. I, I rebooted the website and yeah, it started turning into kind of an online magazine um, with one editor and you know one content producer <laughs> and that's changing in 2021 but uh like i said writing about other people was more interesting to me than writing about myself and it turns out there are a lot more people interested in other musicians than me and that was a good idea um and so getting getting the interviews with steve and Mike, those were two of the first video interviews I did. And uh, they did very well. They got me my first thousand subscribers, basically. And then I started not thinking about myself. I became the least important person in my life. <laughs> and that was the beauty of Make Word Music for me as a, as a human being. Mm -hmm. Well. Thank you for being so open and and um, let me say something quite quite shameless. I have the impression, and I've never had that impression about you actually. This is the funny, but about many people who uh, who have um, like music centered content on YouTube, that some of them are really like very frustrated. Uh, let's just say half artists, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, it sometimes, sometimes hurts to kind of like watch, watch them because of that, because I feel like they belong somewhere else, you know, and they maybe have given up on, on, you know, going that, uh, path of, um, presenting yourself for lack of a better description as an artist, right? Have you given up on that idea? I've given up on an idea and okay. that idea is I am a musician and I don't mean I've given up on the concept of me as a musician. I've given up 
that as the definition. Mm -hmm. And now musician is just one of the things that I am. And so I now believe in a superset of, (laughs) of functions for myself. And that superset is a video creator, uh, an AV engineer, a musician, uh, someone who plays guitar. Um, you know, I'm many things. I used to think, why doesn't anyone care about me and my music? And then I realized over the years, I've gotten much healthier uh, in my perspective about myself. And I've realized that no one needs to care about me. <laughs> if I am producing what I love, then some people with, will care. Mm-hmm. And that's all that really matters. And producing what I love means many things. Yeah. It means building this studio. It means like physically creating <laughs> myself in the world. Um, you know, I spent, I spent years dreaming of a studio like this and then spent months building it with my bare hands. Um, I, you know, I have a story for every single guitar on the wall over here. There's like a dozen guitars over here. Mm-hmm. Um, the drum kit, there's everything. Like it's a manifestation of me. And that to me has been so much more fun than why doesn't anyone pay attention to me, you know? <laughs> and so uh, when I started Make Weird Music, my goal was if I can reach 250 people, this will be a huge success Mm -hmm. because month after month after month, it was zero hits, you know, one hit. Someone would look at a video. Someone would look at a, at the website and, you know, it's like you're sitting there hitting refresh on your analytics. Like back then it was Webalizer, this terrible piece of software, but it was like, Oh, I got two hits today. You know, awesome. Two people. So I thought if I can get to 250 people and I didn't know anything about subscribers or followers or anything, it was if this site can reach 250 people in its totality, 250 hits, then it will be a success. And now we're looking at 1 million YouTube video views. And now we're looking at 10,000 subscribers. And now we're looking at, you know, a portfolio of artists that I dreamt about as a teenager, like listening to these people making Mm -hmm. music and I'll post something on social media and get private messages from them. You know, (laughs) like the whole world has turned upside down because I've not made it about me. I've, I've made it about a manifestation of the things that I love. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that includes me as a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds sounds like you have sort of reframed your original uh, drive. Let's say one hundred percent. Yeah, that's that, that's fantastic. And at the same time, you are kind of like doing uh, community work, right? And yeah. and you're bringing people together. And you you just used the words uh, um, the world has been turned upside down since you started and i think that's that's a very good way to put it and the funny thing is that like the very very same well very similar things i i would have said already in the year 2000 probably about what has happened to 
um, well, the music business or better, like to what it means to be an artist in the music business. Um, yeah. And, and we can, we can see like this, I feel that this process of uh, things being turned, not necessarily up, upside down, could be like 47 degrees or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> But, you know, it's like, um, um, it's accelerating somewhat. And, yeah. and clearly, clearly the pandemic has, has had a, a huge influence on, you know, on how things progress. So when was the first Steve Vai uh, interview released? Do you remember approximately? Yes, actually, uh, <laughs> it's funny. The So I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I believe in God. I listened to your Kavas Torabi uh, interview and... Mm -hmm. He and I are on very different ends of the spectrum in terms of beliefs mm -hmm. about the world. Uh, I don't think humans are rational in the first place. So mm -hmm. for anyone to defend their worldview through being rational is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean any disrespect to Kavas. I just, I was listening to that interview last night or two nights ago and I thought, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's another way to look at the world. I just don't look at it that way. Mm -hmm. So I've had some very... Um, real experiences with God and um, music has been a clear touching of his finger in my life. <laughs> and that involves Steve Vai and King Crimson in a very strange and real way. So the Steve Vai interview happened because I bought front row tickets to King Crimson Uh, the Seven-Headed Beast, I think Robert called it, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, back in 2015. They played at in L.A. I, I don't remember the name of the theater, maybe the Orpheum. But I had bought tickets to go see them, and I was going to drive out to L.A. Because I had never seen King Crimson, and I felt like I I'm, I'm really missed out on, in my life by not seeing them in concert. There was a time during the Thrack, or maybe it was Baboom, Uh, era where my dad went to see them live and I didn't I didn't go I didn't know that I should have gone or anything and I looked back thinking I don't want to miss them again I had also missed Alan Holdsworth playing here in in town and I said I don't want to miss that ever mm -hmm. again so I like and I signed up for all of these I know this is a long story for your simple question but <laughs> I signed up for all of these newsletters, you know, for every concert venue in town and just looked, you know, rabidly every single week or two at who was coming to town. I saw that King Crimson was going to play in Los Angeles. I live in Phoenix, so it's about a six or seven hour drive to get to Los Angeles. But I bought the tickets. It was a very special event for me. Um, got the front and center ticket, which actually was one of the worst places to sit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because of the three drummers. You know, it was great eye candy, but terrible for the ears. And the band sounded, sounded terrible. They, mm -hmm. they didn't perform terribly. They just sounded bad from the front row. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, so that trip turned into, well, let's interview Steve Vai, let's interview Mike Keneally, and let's go see King Crimson. So I interviewed Steve Vai. I think the Crimson show was September 30th, 2015. I interviewed Steve on September 29th. And I think I interviewed Mike on October 1st. 
Great. So that's five years and a few months. Yes. Incredible. I mean, you know, um, um, I'm a little bit older than you. I was born in 72. Mm -hmm. And looking back at the last, say, six, seven years really is is a very short time. Um, you know, as a man, you know, close to 50 years of mm -hmm. age. Um, and I, you know, like the last really big phase or change in my life, let's say, happened in 2014. So, you know, when you started Make Weird Music. Mm -hmm. And right. I feel like I'm coming this, this coming year, well, it's already... To, uh, 2021 so um this year feels like it's it feels like it's not it's probably gonna not gonna be the start of something new but rather like the end of the phase that started in 2014 for me and mm. and and i was wondering what you what you think about like you yeah initially you called yourself a musician right Mm -hmm. So let's let's just like tap into your knowledge about music. And you mentioned God, right? And creation. Mm -hmm. And and so, um, do you have any thoughts about like uh, cycles in yeah. development in nature and in human development and in personal development? Absolutely, everything is a rhythm. Uh, the rotation of the earth is a rhythm. The sun rising and setting is a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Waking up is a rhythm. Uh, your daily routine is a rhythm. Your heartbeat is a rhythm. I d I'm not one of those everything's a vibration people. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that perspective. I see things as rhythms. And I do see things as cycles. Mm -hmm. And my wife, she doesn't appreciate Nick Birch's music. Mm -hmm. We had him, we flew him out here. <laughs> We've had him play two concerts. Mm -hmm. um, another incredible thing with Make Weird Music, like, you know, putting on concerts, mm -hmm. just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But anyway, one thing I appreciate so much about Nick's music is that it is so cyclic and rhythmic and it evolves. He'll play the same, you know, to untrained ears, the same motif a hundred times in a row. Mm -hmm. But to the careful listener, he's playing 100 different melodies, <laughs> just using the same note, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I appreciate that kind of music for that very reason. Same with uh, Steve Reich. It, to me, it's just, it's all about rhythm. Everything is rhythm. And that's one thing I find interesting about odd time signature music because it's disruptive <laughs> you know four four music we have two feet so one two three four you know we can just keep mm -hmm. walking to this music but how do you walk to hell's bells you know <laughs> by bruford it's just not possible um <laughs> you'd look like a, you know an idiot trying to walk to some of this progressive music whatever whatever people call it mm -hmm. and so i very much believe in cycles um Another aspect of my belief in God is one of the most ridiculous things you can tell a person is if you take a seed, and I always keep seeds at my desk mm -hmm. <laughs> because I love planting um, fruit trees and those kinds of things. So 
I have an orange seed right here, mm -hmm. and it's from a particular variety called the Decopan. Um, and the idea that I can put this seed in the ground, in some dirt, and add some water, and it will grow into a tree is the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, it sounds like, like someone telling you a joke. You know, they're pulling your leg like, oh, yeah, just take this, throw it in a little dirt. You can just put it in a cup and put some dirt in there and then add water and, and a little heat. You know, sun, sunlight is good, too. It, why is that? Why is that rational? <laughs> There's nothing rational about it except that we grew up knowing that's the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And so I think you know this seed has its own cycle. It has a sprouting cycle. It has a, a you know growth cycle until it can develop firm wood, and then it grows flowers or sprouts, and it has that cycle. And all of these cycles all around it support it living. And if you watch um, time-lapse photos of plants, they are rhythmic. They spin, you know, if all flower petals, I think I'd read um, a book on numbers and every single flower grows, uh, you know, in a, when it's perfectly healthy, every flower grows a number of petals that is a Fibonacci number. Um, you know, all of these amazing little things, every single plant grows in a counterclockwise spiral. To me, this is all rhythm and cycles. Yes. And so I firmly believe in rhythm and I firmly believe in cycles. And I think um, there's, we are, we are all our own little rhythm machines. So we're not ever on the same rhythm because we are not ever the same, even with ourselves. We're, we're evolving, just like the Nick Berch piano lines. <laughs> and, Nick, your, and your wife doesn't, doesn't like it. No, she doesn't. She's much more of a uh, contemporary, you know, Christian type of music. Like, she listens to a lot of Amy Grant. Um, she loves a lot of music that we hear and I play at church. Mm -hmm. Music I can't stand um, <laughs> is some of the most meaningful music in her life. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me, I think if that, if every day is almost the same, but it's not, then that's Nick Berch music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Long it, answers to short questions. No, no, no. Very, very, very good. And I think you made a really, really good point uh, that when we're talking about, like you said, like vibration or rhythm and like these things that we, we should define them better. Um, when we make statements like everything is vibration or something like that. Yeah. And, and I'm, 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 I'm totally with you and, and yeah, rhythms and cycles and like the overlapping and the uh, asynchronous existence of cycles. That's really what makes the world. And, and that is like sort of like the, you know, the principle of creation or, or God or, you know, like whatever yeah. terms you want to use to describe that. And uh, I'm totally with you there. You know, it's, uh, yeah, we create, uh, we create discrete, we create binary. There's no binary in the world, you know, except for what we've created. And so I think it's when we, when it comes to rational, uh, the world is n not rational ever. There is no one, there is no zero, there is no, uh, constant. <laughs> yeah. 
The only and, constants I mean, we find are in our own mathematics, you know, but the universe doesn't care about mathematics. Uh, I think God just created this analog world where everything is beautiful and cyclical. And I take a lot of inspiration from G.K. Chesterton when he says that for every flower on earth, it's like God saying, do it again, do it again. Do it again. Make another flower. It's so beautiful. Make another. And he never tires of that creation. And Make Weird Music is a testament to that. I, I don't think of the musicians as people being featured on the site. I think of them as unique creation machines. <laughs> mm -hmm. They are the beautiful flowers where God says, do it again, do it again, do it again. Uh, it could be the most atheistic performer <laughs> and it can be you know someone who is a devout whatever you know monk it doesn't matter to me like we are all beautifully and wonderfully created uh, and I think that's that's why I even have make weird music the word weird means um, uniquely yourself and since no since Nick never plays the same five notes in a row in the same exact way so there could be a Marcus Reuter, and then there's uh, Eric Eskildin, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and someone might listen to the, your music and his music and say, okay, they're doing the same kind of thing. Or Vinnie Moore and Tony McAlpine, you know, like, sure, their music's similar. But if you really are listening, they are not the same, just like two flowers are not the same. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of how I, I look at Make Weird Music. Like, what are all the beautiful creation machines that we can put on this site that are where they are being uniquely themselves and they have something to share with the world, whether it's a flower or, you know, like a, a giant sequoia tree, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're all so beautiful to me. So let me ask you a little bit of a probably hilarious question. Sure. <laughs> but but um, since you have to deal with a lot of, uh, a lot of mundane um things that relate to weird, make weird music, like promoting it, okay, mm -hmm. for example, in social media. How do your, um, how does your worldview influence what you've been capable of doing in, uh, well, reaching out to people via those channels? Well, I think it's easy to look from the outside and say, oh, that's a success, right? Um, because to someone with 500 subscribers to see a site that has 10,000 is like, oh my goodness, you know, I used to be that way too. And now I look, I mean, you're friends with Sean Crowder. He's got, I don't know, a hundred thousand or something like that. And I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm nothing compared to that guy, you know? <laughs> and it's really easy to allow the numbers game factor into what you do. So, um, I just, I think it's beautiful that I feel like we're this little hidden gem, you know, make weird music. And I don't, that is not a, in any way meant to be an arrogant statement. It's like, it's this beautiful little thing that has evolved organically into something I never could have predicted. And social media is just where the people are at. And I think about it like the old village squares. You know, if you go to Munich, you know, there's a city center. And that city center has some very old buildings and you can tell that that square, you know, where they have the, the clock with the 
beautiful um, rotate, you know, like the figurines and stuff, and mm-hmm. all the mechanical dancers and whatever on the hour. I just think this place was designed for people to commune. Mm-hmm. And now the global or the square is a global one. And unfortunately, you know, there are some realities that come with that. But for people who care and for people who have ears and eyes to see and hear this stuff, they find it. And I don't want to be a mega site. I, I don't, the numbers don't truly matter. I know I've been pushing for this 10,000 number, but um, there's reasoning behind that and my own manifestation of what I wanted to see in the world. Five years ago, I said to myself, uh, you know, if I can get 250 people, mm-hmm. well, about two years ago, I said, man, if I can get 10,000 by the end of 2020, that would be incredible. And we today, January 1st, <laughs> 2021, one day past the end of my goal, we have 9,953 or something. Mm. So not bad to be, yeah. you know, 50 off. Yes. But um, I found in terms of cycles, you can create these cycles in your life. And it's really just about how ambitious you are. And we can get to that later. But I think with social media, there's just, you're in a global square. There's going to be some real characters there. There's going to be some uh, very difficult people who, who may like what you do, but you don't like them. Mm. And then there's going to be, I think, a majority of people who find this, who find what I do, uh, see the love that I have for it. And I've looked back at some of my old videos and I think, oh my goodness, why would anyone subscribe to this, this channel, to this person? He's so boring. He's so monotone, whatever. And then I realize it's because they see that I love what I'm doing. Even if I'm not very good at it, they love the music that I'm talking about and that I love. And we just love this together. And there's not that many people talking about the residents. So even if it's some boring, weird dude from Phoenix, Arizona, that, you know, it is a blip in the grand scheme of time, uh, you know, and a blip is a generous term, <laughs> you know, like just by nature of there only being five to 10 other people out there talking about this stuff, uh, I'm going to get some attention. So I found that I can get better at it and improve how I present myself and, and then kind of use this social media world and the way it works to, not to my advantage, but to the advantage of the musicians that I love. And I can give back to them by doing stuff for free. And you know how much stuff I have done for free, yeah. you know, filming concerts, editing concerts, uh, hosting artists at my house, feeding them, whatever it is, like it, it's a, a way of me giving back. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it feels to me like you know I didn't know about your um, well I knew that you were a musician, but I didn't even know you had solo releases. I didn't know. Oh yeah. And 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 I think you have. Uh, I always considered you to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't exactly sure what the material materials were you were working with, and and I think you have been contributing, and you've you know like this labor of love, uh, you know you you've found 
ways and channels to do that um, by helping others. And I think that's that's a very very uh, generous um, <laughs> generous thing to do, right? And I mean, I mean, I mean, I I just I just I just want to make sure <laughs> that I don't need to be concerned that you that you would also need help or support oh. <laughs> support or maybe you would you would because I I I've, you know I've seen a couple of songs videos that you that you put out over the uh -huh. past couple of years right which which showcase your music and so there yeah. there is a there is an outlet for that yeah, and, yeah. Um, so are you planning well, on doing more oh yeah yeah um you know that's uh, that uh, i work slow i work long and i work a lot so um i just love the work that i do and my life is heading in that direction where I can end up working full-time for myself on the things that I love. Mm -hmm. It's a realization that I have been hoping to see in my life for many years, and it's starting to happen. And I think 2021 will be the year where that happens. I have a whole catalog of music up here mm -hmm. and in the computer, in the box, um, ready to be recorded now i my friend ken my book publisher he has given me some money on occasion um he's been extremely generous he's given me lots of money over time to produce concerts and to produce my music um but since i pay for everything otherwise out of my own pocket and I run a family, you know, I have a full-time job that pays for all of these other things. I just have to be a good steward of that money. And so, you know, if it costs a few hundred dollars to have a musician play on a song, it's kind of like, is that really a good use of today's money? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in like, in a demeaning way toward the musician. It's more like, I'm, I don't have unlimited funds by any means. And I do have three children to raise, and I do have three children that I want to pass something on to, you know, materialistically, financially. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I would love to produce a, a song, and I do have a whole album planned for me and um, Morgan Ogren, Michael Mannering, and Mike Keneally. Mm -hmm. And they are all on board. They. They enjoy the music that I've sent them. I have another track I'm ready to work on. But, um, you know, it's kind of like if an album were to cost me ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 or cost someone else, you know, a producer or whatever, ten dollars or $12,000 without me getting a dime, which I'm okay with. <laughs> mm -hmm. If I can pay these musicians I love to do this work, fantastic. But is that the best use of the ten dollars or $12,000? Um, for right now and the answer generally comes to no but i do have to compete with the inner urge to create mm -hmm. and so there's a song that i have been putting off for many months that needs to be recorded and i'm sure it will be in the next few months um but it's a it's fighting the compulsion with the real reality of um, I, if I'm paying for these things, 
And even if it's not money, it's like, well, to, to record these guitar parts will take a while and to write everything out. My music is not simple. And I like through composed music. I'm not really an improviser. So I have to get charts written for Michael Manring and then Morgan, he doesn't read music. So if I were to send him stuff, like I have to work with him, which is a pleasure. It's not a pain in any way, but it's just the, the time. Time is another currency mm-hmm. away from my family. So um, yes, there is absolutely a whole album of music planned, but it might take, like everything else I do, it might take five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I find it important and like, you may know I, I have some students and, mm-hmm. and sort of like a group of people that I work with and I, I find it important that if there is the urge to create and to have an artistic side that doesn't find any other way out, let's say, like for you with make with music, that's one way of being creative and, and supportive, you know, but some people who really just have the music, I think at some point it is really important to even, let's just say, force yourself or make yourself complete something and put it out in your name, under your own name. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I've, I've found that to be like the really the defining moment of, of my artistic life, like the first release of a CD back then, like the CD yeah. had just more value than the three, four tapes I put out before that, right. you know? Right. And so, so I, I, I do always recommend to take that step and to make that investment uh, into yourself and into your mm-hmm. own um, well-being. And, and it's, it's funny because I, I still do that, you know? Like, as you say, the currency time, currency of money, exactly, right? That's it, you know? Like, that's, that's what has to be spent then. And just saying, I mean... You didn't ask me, but I would encourage you, always encourage you to to actually to record your music and to put it out. It's, I think well, it's important. I thank you. Uh, it's not uh, due to a lack of passion or anything. It's not a lack. It's an abundance of other things. Yeah. And yeah. and I want to honor that abundance. And um, uh, you know, there's a saying from the Bible: "To whom much is given." much more will be expected. And Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. so much has been given to me that I want to honor that. And I truly, (laughs) I think what people don't understand about, um, and maybe understand is not the right word, because I haven't broadcasted this or made it entirely visible, but what people don't understand about me and Make Weird Music is I truly think I am the least important piece of Make Weird Music. Yes, I know I'm the founder. Yes, I know I produce a majority of the content. Yes, I know it wouldn't exist without me. But of all of the things on the site, of all of the things I feature, I take the Buckminster Fuller approach of being the trim tab. I'm just a little tiny thing on a rudder that steers a ship. That's it. I never. I don't want it to be about me, and I don't want people to think, I don't even want people to know my name. I mm-hmm. stopped putting my name on Make Weird Music content two, three years ago. And people don't, so, there's a lot of people who don't even know how to address me, like in the comments, 
because they don't know my name. And that's exactly what I'd rather have. Mm -hmm. I want to embrace obscurity. I'm a vapor in the wind. And I don't need, <laughs> I don't need anyone knowing about, you know, that vapor may come from a sneeze, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, I'm the sneeze of a bird or something <laughs> or a dog, you know, like who needs to name that? It doesn't matter. Like who I am does not need to play a factor uh, in anything other than do they love the thing that I produce? You know, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. I am a flower, I don't need to be named, but I'd like to be beautiful. And, uh, you know, Adam Smith, the economist, talks about this. Like, people want to be beautiful. They want to embody beauty and they want to share that beauty. <laughs> and that's kind of where Make Word Music comes from. So, um, yeah, I, I, I resonate with a lot of what you're talking about. It's interesting that, and this, is, this has been something I've noticed for myself and I'm curious about you, the more you grow as an artist, uh, the bigger your projects get and the slower uh, you become, you know, to, to really realize what it is that you want to do, like failure to fracture the book, <laughs> people will not believe this book. I think you've seen a PDF that I sent yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. People, they think it's a book. It mm -hmm. is not a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is something much, much uh, more significant than a book. And that's, that's not me praising my content. I handed it over to my book designer who literally made every single page a work of art. There's 130 layouts in this book. 130 beautiful, you know, every page is a poster. Yes. <laughs> and I like people just won't they won't believe it when they see it because I couldn't I actually almost started crying looking at the PDF a week ago. Um, it is incredibly beautiful. But man, I thought that book was done in May, <laughs> May 2020, <laughs> you know, seven, eight months ago. I thought it was done and it's not. And I have all these other things like my creative output appears to have slowed. But it's just that the irons and the fire are much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, thankfully, I don't, I don't depend on make word music in any way. I don't depend on my art in any way to make a living. I work in software. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but the projects are taking longer and they're getting bigger and I'm putting out fewer things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fewer videos, but I'm also doing more of other smaller things. But as an artist, I'm, I'm curious if you experience this yourself where your vision gets bigger because you understand your capabilities better. And therefore, the next great thing that you put out will take longer, you know, takes longer to bake in the oven. I, I think it's, it's a little bit of both, you know, as you get more skilled working with your tools. And I'm, I'm talking about the full, the full set of tools necessary to actually produce right. music or, you know, um, um, I can do both. I can be spontaneous and creative and, and, and produce something of incredible value, I find, just in the mm -hmm. moment. And, right. and then there is this, this other uh, approach which maybe feels more like it's more um, proper, right, to, to have a project that where you have to work harder 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I think, like, as because you were asking, like, as as one grows as an artist, I think I have already done a lot of the work, and it can be, it can now, it can come out as an effort, as an effortless utterance, let's say, rather than yeah. something that uh, requires a lot of work. So, so for me, it's it's always a little bit of both. And also there's this strange middle ground also where the project kind of like um, grows inside me for a decade and then it just appears within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I've, I've, that's, that's really, and, and I'm, you know, I'm German, like <laughs> we're trying to, be, trying, trying to be very, <laughs> trying to be very proficient, prof- well, not proficient, uh, like efficient, right? Uh-huh. With, uh, and so uh, when I'm planning for projects, I'm usually trying to have some sort of idea how difficult and how much work is going to be involved so that I'm not, not going to be surprised. Yeah. Right? So, but that, on, on the other hand, can really stifle the creativity a little bit. Yeah. Right? So, so that's yeah. why, you know, I was the, one of the first people who said that uh, I think your book, well, the, the book that's more than just a book, is a significant <laughs> piece of work. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to it being available. So the big question is, does it have your name on it? Uh, yeah, I, I, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's I. I actually talked to my publisher about that. Mm-hmm. I said, can I not have my name mm-hmm. on it? And he said, why would you ask such a stupid question or something like that? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can we just put make weird music on there or something? You know. Um, but it turns out, you know. When you're a book publisher, there are certain formalities that are required, and the world expects it. Yeah. And I can't, I can't ask a publisher to put out a book that doesn't have a name on it, you know, um, because he's putting money into it, and he wants it to sell. And I don't care about sales. To me, this book is just another video. Like, it's an ephemeral piece of output. I have... You know, my first book, which is up on a shelf here, Clueless at the Work, I don't even think about it. I have to remind myself that it exists. Mm-hmm. Just like I have to remind myself that I did an interview with whatever artist, you know, however many years ago. It's just an artifact. Um, I do these things to get them out of my system. And I wait until the last possible moment when I just can't say no to it anymore. I don't say yes to an idea until it is bugging me for six to 18 months. And so I've had this book called Mental Prisons in my head. I have a huge note file (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just been eating away at me. And I'm like, no, not today. You're not going to start writing this book today. Mm -hmm. Because when I start writing a book, it happens in six weeks. The last two books written in six weeks. And I'm actually two thirds of the way through another book about um, employment uh, that I'm co-writing with a business partner of mine, but still very, very short amounts of time. I can write 5,000 words a day. And I, the only reason I stop is because my, my fingertips on the keys, just they, they get irritated, you know, it's (laughs) with the guitar, it's a tangible thing, but a key is like, it's just this flat piece of plastic. And at some point it becomes unpleasant. So I just stop typing and I walk away. But uh, yeah, I would, I could easily put out 
three to five books a year if I had no restraint. <laughs> and that's not a testimony of being prolific. It's just the mind, you know, the way my mind works, it's like this idea festers and festers. Same with a song. It's like, no, sorry, brain, not going to record this song today. Not going to do it this year. It, it might happen next year. That's how I think about you know, a lot of people say, engage, engage your mind and do, you know, do whatever creative thing comes to you. And it's the opposite for me because I, otherwise I couldn't support a family. Otherwise I couldn't honor the responsibility that I've been given um, and the, the wealth, you know, I couldn't honor the wealth and the wealth can be my home. The wealth can be a car my bicycle, you know, these are things that I need to honor. They've been uh, given to me in a sense. I just exchanged some of my time for it. You know, that time ended up becoming money and I, whatever, but you know, like, like this, this whole building is, I, I need to honor it. And yeah. so I need to be serious about the yes. <laughs> sounds to me as if one of the potential major challenges of your life uh, are you know how to balance these these things and and i'm i'm talking like generally like the spiritual with uh the capital right for yeah. example and right and um i find it interesting what you said and quite inspirational like you said that you don't need to have your name on something right but your publisher says that for that kind of um capitalism he's looking into Right, even if I don't know if he's going to make up his back his money at all, we don't we don't right. we don't care as artists, right? But <laughs> but but anyway, like what I'm saying is that there also seem to be like different levels of uh, engaging with um, with um, the world of wealth, and when I mean mm -hmm. when it, I, and I'm not talking just about money or just about spiritual wealth or it it's. It's it's really interesting. Like, do I have do I need to be in the first line, let's say, right? Or can I be a supporting character? Can I be can I be the uh, well? I think the music business is probably a good example for that. Like, do people generally know the the names of the people who actually signed the artists? You right. Know? Yeah. What's yeah. the name of the guy who signed the Beatles? I don't know. I'm sure right. that people know the name of that guy, but. Um, so, but I, f I find that very interesting. And you seem to be a very uh, uh, clever person who is kind of navigating these different sides, these different sides of like that multidimensional coin, let's say, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not, it's like you said, it's not binary, right? It's, yeah. And it's not rational. It's, it's emotional and it's, it's, it's human, right? It's like, a, and yeah, I find that, find that very, very inspiring. So, um, really, and um, so since you since you mentioned it, um, the book, okay, about you dealing with wanting to learn to play the piece "Fracture" by Robert Fripp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's um, a good way of putting it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's uh, and um, yeah, I think it's a significant piece of work because it's the only um, collection of words and experiences about well it's difficult for me to say this but it's more than just a piece of music it's really that world that Robert Fripp created 
um, yeah. musically as well as spiritually. And and I and think physically, physically, <laughs> physically, exactly, <Yeah>. physically, <laughs> physically. And I think a lot of people are not aware of the physicality of his playing. Yeah. And and to me, it's like um, it's like the uh, League of Gentlemen album, for example. The compositions on that album, like the incredible like power that's needed to play those pieces. And so, Fracture is just that one that one standout track that people kind of know. But there are other compositions in his catalog that are really just mind-boggling and not mind-boggling oh actually body body boggling right? body boggling <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> i challenge any guitarist to learn discipline in a week like to play it at tempo mm. or play uh frame by frame yeah or uh three of a perfect pair yeah. these songs people they have no idea they have no idea mm -hmm. and they'll be like oh i can do this you know they'll play like five measures and like i can do this this isn't too hard do that for eight minutes you know, like mm. play that that riff where you know, you know that three of a perfect pair thing. His fingerings make no sense, you know, and <laughs> and then the picking and the, like, yeah, I guess you can you know anchor your wrist on the bridge and you can do it this way and you can have your fingers flopping and all that stuff. But man, you're not going to sound nearly as good. And that's fine. It, you know, you sound like yourself. That's good. But people don't realize he is not a guitarist. Mm -hmm. He's something else on a guitar. <laughs> you know, he's, he is this being, whatever that is, who happens to express himself on the instrument. And that being is, it, it's not even about the music. You know, like, yeah. I know the musicians will say that's kind of a travesty, but if you look at his life and his writing, um, and there's a ton of writing to look at, it is the manifestation of a life of discipline, of a life of um, breaking boundaries within yourself. And uh, I, I have spent... I, I've spent countless hours, you know, pursuing just a few pieces of his music. <clears throat> and I don't think there's more than 15 or 20 of us who've spent that kind of time in the world on, on that. And I don't, maybe there's more, maybe I'm discounting, you know, the whole guitar craft, guitar circle thing, but mm. I've seen a lot of guitar circle players. I've seen a lot of guitar craft players. They have not pursued the ideal and that's fine but i look at their right hand and these are touring musicians or these are people who have spent 10 years in guitar circle i'm like you still pick like that you know <laughs> and i think it's very few people um can perceive the ideal and then it takes something else to pursue it and I think, um, you know, people say, oh, you wasted 22 years of your life on this thing. And I, I'm like, no, man, it gave me 22 years of my life. It, it changed the way I see the world. And, <laughs> and to be able to, uh, and I don't even say that I can play the piece, but I have played it very, very well. Even what some people might say perfectly three times mm. alone here no cameras, no microphone, just playing because I love it. Um, but no one can know 
the satisfaction of moving your arm to move your wrist to engage a pick to cross a string 13 times a second. No one can know that for eight minutes, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it, sure, it doesn't matter, but I'm a dog sneeze in the wind, you know? So like, who cares that I spent all these years on it? I enjoyed it and I got so much out of it and it changed the way I see the world. And I don't care who likes the book. I'm not gonna try selling it to King Crimson fans or something like that. Like, Whoever has the ears to hear about achieving what you consider impossible mm-hmm. will hear that message. You know, it doesn't matter if they are a carpenter or a bricklayer or, you know, a carpet layer or whatever, you know, an archaeologist. If you pursue <laughs> an ideal, you will get something out of this book. If you are just a guitarist who wants to play um, blues riffs, you will think I am the stupidest idiot who ever lived, you know? <laughs> Looking at this book, you're like, what, what is this idiot doing with his life? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that, that means that, you know, the people who would say that they're on a completely different, different level of thinking about what's happening there. And, and, you know, like maybe if one would give a different sort of metaphor for for what is actually happening there when you're dedicating a big chunk of your life to being committed to practicing, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of right. like what it what it comes down to in a way. And a lot of I think there are a lot of people that are sort of experts in their fields that don't even know that they are because <laughs> right. they they just they they did practice uh, simply by going to work every morning. That's right. And but they have, don't have the mindset to understand that they were actually became very good at what they do mm-hmm. because they were simply, you know, following a schedule. Let's say, right? right I'm not right. saying that's everything, right? That's necessary no. for practicing, but um, but it's probably well, the I, main. You said main the word level. I don't agree with level. I think it's just a different path, and it may be one where, you know, you can appreciate all of the natural beauty around you. And then there's another one where you're like, no, I have a goal and I'm going there and that's it. Like, I don't care what's on the path. I don't care what I'm surrounded by. I have a destination. That's fine. It's just the different, I don't see it as a level. I just see it as a, an awareness that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't want to convey in any way my, with myself, and I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I don't want it to be about levels. I don't yeah. want this book I, to I don't, look I don't like... Know, I don't know what the definition of, of level in that regard is or what you understand by it. I, but I see it as like one being above another. Above another. another. And okay. I don't... Yeah. This is not above. Yeah. If anything, I am below. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I spent all this time learning how to do this. Like, yeah. that's it. I spent yeah. 15 years learning to do this. You know, like, sure, you can call that a waste of time. I don't really care. I got a lot out of it. <laughs> but you know, experience experience shows one as like if you're a human being and you do practice, you'll see that the practice actually becomes available in other fields of your life. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And and that's that's really what it's about. like when I when I have like touch guitar, people who want to practice touch guitar or learn a little bit of touch guitar, but they want to keep playing regular guitar or bass. I tell them, okay, so the way that I'll, I'll, I'll show you or how you practice with the instrument 
will make you better on your original instrument. So mm -hmm. you don't you don't really have to kind of like you could even like take a break from playing bass guitar, play touch guitar for a year, and then come back to the bass guitar, and you will see you have gotten better because right. the the principles that that uh, you will learn to uh, internalize, let's say, um, they will spread out throughout your whole being and become available. And I just listened to a training session given by a guy named Jordan Belfour. He's known as the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, there's a movie and a book that he, you know, he was the main character of. Uh, and he was a finance expert and a sales expert who, I guess, stole a bunch of money from people through a fraudulent scheme. And he went to prison for some amount of time. I don't really know a lot about him, but I do know he's an expert in sales. Mm -hmm. And my friend sent me a training session um, where he commissioned Jordan to speak to his team. And man, I can't tell you how much I learned about practice listening to him. He said, uh, he said you, might, you might think making 30 to 40 sales calls a day is a good number. You might go in there and say, man, I did 45 calls today. I'm really proud of myself, that's great. And he said, then you hire another salesperson, guess how many calls that person's gonna make? 30 to 40. But if you only have a 10% close rate, 30 to 40 may not do what you need it to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, I go into businesses and I tell them, you need to be dialing 200 times a day. Mm -hmm. You need to be making 200 calls a day. 40 is nothing. 40 is not even coming close mm -hmm. to doing what is necessary. You need to do 200. And every time someone picks up the phone on the other end, they need to hear your script as though you are the most excited person in the world to sell them this thing. And they literally, like he says, you have four seconds to prove that you're an expert, that you're worth listening to, then that you're worth buying from. Mm -hmm. Four seconds, 200 calls a day. Like that's fracture. <laughs> People yeah. don't get that, but mm -hmm. make 200 calls a day. Yeah, that's playing 8,000 notes, you know, in, in a half hour. That's mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And to, to pick up a phone and read a script 200 times a day, five days a week, a thousand times in a week and sound excited at the end of it. People don't, people don't understand that. I'm, I think you're back or I'm back. Hello, can you, yeah, hello, can you hear me? Yeah, you, you froze, yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, but the, the message- Making a thousand the, calls a week. Yeah, the message, the message got through. It's, it's incredible and I absolutely, I absolutely agree, right? And, and that's, that's why, you know, it's just like the, the um, like the question is really like, how do you communicate that, right? How do you, how, as a trainer, uh, how do you communicate that to people? How do you get them to be motivated and excited about pursuing such a path. And, and uh, yeah, what's funny to me is I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And then I realized he's probably given this same talk 200 times this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he sounds just as excited about it right now as he did 
two years ago when he started. I, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but mm-hmm. you think, like, you pick up on his enthusiasm and you think this is the first time he's ever said this stuff. It's incredible. You can hear his enthusiasm, but it's probably the, the 3,843rd time mm-hmm. he's done it. Um, you just don't know. And the fact that, um, you know, when Robert says, even performing old King Crimson songs live, that's still new music. Um, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> and I think about, like, I put out, I'm starting to put out these Wednesday Wisdom videos, like excerpts from old interviews that are, mm-hmm. uh, that are highlights of creativity. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing as well, but I'm like, this is a new video. Like, I actually, I actually had to produce this. And people mm-hmm. are not watching it because they've seen the Homer Flynn interview. They've mm-hmm. seen the Matthias Eklund interview. But I'm like, you didn't hear that message. <laughs> I didn't hear it. That's why I'm putting this stuff together. If I didn't hear it, and I'm the curator of all of this, like, you didn't hear it. You need to hear this. And it's a new video, even if the conversation happened in 2000. 15 like this three minute five minute excerpt is new and i'm producing it like it's new uh but yeah it's it's all of that it's that excitement about a message no matter how many times you've heard it there's there's something fantastic about what you have developed in what you just said i think is like there there is a there is an overlap between quantity and quality which again like seems to be you know like like a field that very few people actually do want to talk about right Right. yeah and so saying that you know to make 200 calls per day clearly 200 is important right and it is important because by practicing to make that call 200 times and you say you you have that job for three years so you count how many times, you know, you, you deliver that sales pitch, right? Right. But you get better every, or you should at least get better every time you repeat those phrases. Yeah. And, and that right. really, and that, and there really, you could, you, you, we need to be aware that it depends really, it's, it's not, it, it's not independent of the makeup of the person who is in that position of repeating, right? So that's where like the mind frame of being a practicing musician or salesperson really makes all the difference. Like, am I aware that me repeating the same thing over and over is making me better at it? Or is it something that wears me out because I'm actually not, in, not even interested in selling? For example, or not yeah, interested to go in back playing. to the yeah. well, back to the topic earlier. It's to me like the ideal is God, mm-hmm. and God is saying, "I will create billions of flowers every year, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will never tire of it, and I will do it for millennia." You are just, you know, you're the vapor in the wind. I will continue creating mm-hmm. for the rest of time. And I look at that and I'm like, that is just incredible. Like, that's where our minds need to go. We need to be thinking this way, especially if you're a creative type. Um, It's like Trey Gunn says, like, you don't write music, you discover it. You you unearth it. It already existed. You just found it. (laughs) 
And your brain has a special, you know, brush to go through the dirt and find that piece of music. And I, I, to me, it's, I don't care how many times I play Fracture. It's like, it's like making a flower and that's beautiful. And I thank God for every blade of grass for that very reason, you know? I used to just sit in the grass and stare and like you could you could press grass down and then kind of watch it come back to life. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time and you just watch this thing happen and these little, you know, non-sentient things, these living <laughs> creatures can just slowly rise because that's what they're meant to do. And that's mm -hmm. what they, they en end up doing. Mm -hmm. There's no impatient grass that's like, need to get back up you know it's <laughs> like i need to form i need to assume my ideal form and that is upright and erect and ready for the sun and to me that is that's what our lives need to be make weird music is are you <laughs> trying to be like that flower or are you being yourself mm -hmm. if someone pushes down on you are you going to be getting back up or are you going to say oh man life's tough I'm just going to sit here in the dirt. Like, that's just not, that's not who I want to put on the site. There are artists who've asked to be on the site and I will not put them on. There are artists that have been uh, recommended on the site and I will not put them on. They don't have the right attitude. And mm -hmm. heck, just the other day, this guy, I posted a video about Devin Townsend and this guy writes, man, I packed up my music gear in July and I haven't taken it out. What's the effing point? And I just said, man, all you've done is complain all year. Mm -hmm. And he blocked me and sent me a really nasty private message. But I have no time for complainers in, mm -hmm. in our community. Like, I'm surprised there are 10,000 people interested in this in the first place. But, man, if it's 10,000 complainers, they're out. I don't need them. I don't want them. Like, <laughs> I, I am going to, like, if you push me down like the blade of grass... I'm going to spring back up to life because that's, that's the life I want to live. Anthony, let's, let's talk to some expert complainers and <laughs> <laughs> let's find out how they practice, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And people telling me like, oh, what a stupid thing to sound just like Robert Fripp. It's like, no, <laughs> you can't get it. I can't explain it to you because you spent no time on the instrument. You don't practice. I can tell. By looking at your hands, and very few people, I think, can tell this. And I, I just mean like under maybe 100 people. I can tell by your knuckles that you practice what you practice, mm -hmm. that you are authentic. I've seen your hands. I've shaken your hand. I have looked up close while you're playing an instrument. I see that your hands have adapted to this style of playing. Mm -hmm. And there's barely anybody in the world that I can say that about, but your hands show your authenticity, your hands. And I can see it in your knuckles. I can see it in your fingertips. I can see it in your mannerisms. Mm -hmm. I can tell who practices, mm -hmm. you know, like when they're sitting slumped in a chair, you can tell they're not practicers, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. or if they practice, they're like this, you know, Steve Vai told me he had to get like two or three back surgeries because he played slumped over, you know, and, 
And it's like, man, it's great that he's an incredible talent, but like he could have saved himself a lot of pain and time if he paid attention to what mm -hmm. was happening in his body while he played. Mm -hmm. Anyway, like I just, I think there's a physical manifestation of a person of practice. You are one of those people. I probably am one of those people. I can't see it in myself because I'm, in the words of Antonio Damasio, we are not thinking machines, we're feeling machines that think. And I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and see 5,000 other things yeah, yeah. <laughs> than a person who practices. But right. I can tell the world, like right now, whoever watches this, Marcus Reuter is a person of intention, of integrity, of practice, of discipline. He, he practices what he preaches. He means every word of it. He means every note. I've interviewed him several times. He's said very controversial things and he lives up to them. He picks the <laughs> notes he, he doesn't like and he plays them with all of his being. Like I've edited shows of yours, several shows. <laughs> I know it, I hear it, I see it, I've watched you play. Like that's, that's the, the life of Make Weird Music. It's not about practice in the way that um, practicing fracture you know, that sentence might mean it's about practice in the way that um, an orchid does nothing else but be an orchid. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me just not comment on that, but add to that, okay? So um, once you become that way, you also become invisible. And yeah. what you do becomes invisible. And I see that in particular also with, actually with you, really, um, mm. that you have this, well, let me just, 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 I have to, I have to put it in, in, in a way that is on, so it, it sometimes looks as if you're hiding something, <laughs> but really, but really what it, but really what it is, is that parts of what you do are invisible. Huh. What do you mean? Uh, what would I be hiding? Or yeah, no, 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 you're not hiding anything. It's not just it's, no, 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 no. You're not hiding anything. It's just that there are aspects of what you do that are so effortless mm. that it, they they look they 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 because you know they're they're if there's if there's if you cannot really define things by saying something negative, right? There's right, right. there's no minus without understanding what plus mm -hmm. is right, mm -hmm. and and in a way that is kind of like what I what I experience with you is that there is this this uh, work being done on and I don't want to use the word level again on a path that is invisible mm -hmm. to, to well not necessarily to everybody but certainly to a lot of people and yeah. and. Like yeah. maybe maybe other people look at my knuckles and they see uh, that I have a growth here, which is because that's what my <laughs> yeah. mother has, right? Uh -huh. And uh, but um, I f I find that a very very interesting um, um, observation about myself and for about other people that I know are uh, very advanced um, practices, right? Mm -hmm. That at some point it just becomes invisible. Yeah. And, and and it looks yeah. it looks easy, but I mean that you know we hear that all the time as practicing musicians that right. But yeah. the, there's a big difference between effortlessness and 
effortless performance. <laughs> and yep. I, I actually, I got a video from Fernando Kabusaki and I was like, oh my goodness, this guy practices. I could see it. Mm -hmm. Five notes into what he played, I could see it. He practices. You just know it. Um, so you can see you can see it in Robert when he plays. You like it's just it's obvious the way he plays. You can tell he practices. Uh, and you go on Instagram, you can see there are people who have a discipline of practice, like the drummer Aaron Comus. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who have practice of improvisation, like Mar Morgan Ogren. It's a different kind of practice but they're still practicing and it shows up because they, they can be effortless in what they're doing. Like uh, I actually, I sent a song to several drummers. It's, it's a song that ended up being called three-legged dog. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, you know, like all my music it's very technical and difficult and those kinds of things um, for both the listener and the performer. <laughs> but the, I sent it to several drummers. They said, no, it's too hard. I don't have the time to do this. And these are like top-notch drummers. I was like, really? Too hard? Um, then I sent it to Morgan and he goes, ah, yeah, let me just squeeze it in. I'm recording this album. I think I can do it between, you know, these days of recording. And he nailed it. Like I went back, I said, hey, could you do this one thing differently? Like the last half of the song, you know, can you take this kind of approach? And he did it like the next day. There was no, oh, let me think about it. I've got to listen. I've got to rehearse through it. You know, let me just really get to know the song, whatever. No, that's, he just lives it. It's effortless for him. A song that is too difficult for one of the world's top drummers, mm -hmm. and I'm not exaggerating, <laughs> mm -hmm. is effortless for a Morgan Ogren. And so it's like, uh, you know, you've got to, I think what I make works well with what Morgan does. And uh, so, you know, I'll continue that. But yeah, there's this effortlessness through practice, through repetition, mm -hmm. and through self-awareness, like developing an expertise mm -hmm. that makes it invisible. Like, why does this person have the cheat codes to life? <laughs> and I think I have the cheat codes for myself you know, for my own life. And I think people that I know that bothers people because they say, how do you get so much done? And I'm like, I'm just good at being me. Like, I'm not good at being something that you want me to be. Mm. You just see the outcomes and you think, oh, I wish I was as prolific or as whatever. And I'm like, I look at myself and I think, I wish I was doing more of this and less of that and did this better. And it, I'm just at a different point in terms of practicing. And what I happen to practice is something that happens to be valuable to people. Mm -hmm. But there are tons of people who practice things that are not considered valuable to the world, but that doesn't mean they're without value. It just means you're trying to take what you're good at <laughs> and turn it into something the world values. And those are two very different things. If they happen to coincide, you're lucky. Uh, I would not say practicing fracture is something the world admires or wants. And yet, the video series has more than 100,000 views, uh, more than, actually, I think it's like more than 300,000 views. Why? Mm -hmm. 
why would anyone watch a video about a guy who sits in his bedroom or, you know, <laughs> studio or whatever, practicing what someone else called mosquito music, <laughs> you know, for, for years. But I, I think it's that if there's something invisible, I think it's that I can turn my failures mm -hmm. over many years into something that a few people want to hear and see about. And then I do it and then they watch it or they digest it, they read it, whatever. Um, but after I published my first book, so many people said, how did you finish your book? Can you help me finish my book? It's like, if you're asking that question, you're not going to finish your book. You just go finish it. Like I can't, I can't force you. I can't coach you to sit at your keyboard and type out the rest of your book. You just have to do it. I can't force Marcus Reuter to sit down and look at, you know, tetrachords and mm -hmm. to break down scales into, you know, four or five note fragments that repeat themselves in these, or, you know, ways through the fifth space tuning that he's using on this instrument he built. I can't force that. He just does it. He is the grass that's been stepped on that is rising up. And there is no coaching that. You, 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 it's great what you're saying. However, part of my expertise is to actually deal with these kinds of problems. Like, how do I coach people to do the things that I know they will not do? And so how can I force them? No, no. I mean, yeah, it's a good way to make money, probably. But, um, but also, there are ways to get people to understand that by making them or by teaching them how to practice. Yeah, and yeah. and so it won't work with this with the project they're working on so it mm -hmm. has to be much more much more basic and and there is there is well i, I don't i don't want to i don't want to talk about this much because i um morgan Ogren just uh are you still there you froze do you hear me i think you're back now Hello. Sorry. I don't know what's going on. I'm literally next to the Wi-Fi yeah, router. Don't, I've done. Don't worry. Anyway. It's okay. I Sorry. just wanted to say, like, um, I just. You, uh, I heard everything you said. Okay. So this this morning, I um, listened to the um, order of magnitude uh, Blu-ray that was is the DVD or the the recording of the film um, of the show I did with Devin in uh, the Roundhouse right, yeah. last year, and. Mm -hmm. um, It was just interesting. I, I wasn't, you know, I was sitting in a place, uh, in a chair in the room where I couldn't see the screen. But my daughter, like 15 months old today, she was like moving to the music. And, <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I remembered that like really everything was beautiful about that tour, okay? And uh -huh. about being on stage with those people. But one thing in particular was Morgan Ogren playing the hi-hat. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I was, uh, you know, like, like two meters away from his hi-hat and just, it was just such a pleasure every night to experience him, like, like the way that, that he was exploring these micro spacings of where he was hitting uh, mm -hmm. the hi-hat. He's a child. He's a child on the drums. It's, it's incredible. Un unbelievable. Just the, 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 the way that a person can, can be capable of grasping a musical instrument. 
like from the well, inside. Well, maybe he's not grasping of. it. <laughs> I think maybe he's exploring it, you know, and he still has that childlike creativity and fascination with if I take this stick and I move it in my hand, yeah. it can sound like this. Like yeah. I, I just, yeah. I see a guy who, uh, it, he doesn't see himself as a master. He sees himself as a, like a discoverer, you know, he, yeah. he doesn't read music. He plays music. Yes. He doesn't study music. He performs music. Yes. He lives music. There's that great video of him at a, at a farmhouse and he's like mm -hmm. hitting the sink and he's hitting the wooden fence and he's hitting, you know, like a saddle and he's hitting a, a metal bucket. Like the guy has the he's lifelong kindergarten. He is always going to be like that. The hi-hat will always fascinate him. You know, the 28 inch bass drum is always going to sound beautiful to him. And I, I just, that's, he, that's why I admire him so much. So does, that, does that mean amazing. that reactivating, if that's at all possible, that part within a human being is uh, or could be um, an aim for practice? <laughs> or, totally. 100%. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. The difference is you will not find it if you do not do it. And yeah. no amount of coaching... Or paying another person to tell you to go coach or go play, practice, whatever it is, will make that, will bring that up in you. You have to go do it. I can tell, you know, I could give a lecture to 10,000 people of how to write, you know, how to write a book in six weeks, whatever. Mm -hmm. I know I could do it. I have the confidence. It's like, I don't have to question it. Just like if I send a song to Morgan, he's like, yeah, it's just music. I will play it. Yes, I don't question that. I know I can give a lecture on something like writing mm -hmm. or the way that I write. <laughs> but that will not make any of the people go and write. Mm -hmm. They have to go sit and practice. They mm -hmm. have to sit at the keyboard. And, you know, anyone who is asking how do I learn the guitar? And they don't own a guitar. And they've spent five years talking about wanting to play the guitar. They already have the answer. Mm -hmm. So I think about this guy, Kapil Gupta. He's really inspired me in many ways. He's a mental performance coach. And he talks about this stuff. Like, what would people see you doing if you were home alone? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. That's yeah. who you are. Like, mm -hmm. You know, if, if you want to be a great guitar player, but you sit and watch Netflix, you know, series five hours a day or whatever, like, that's, I'm not diminishing your joy in watching Netflix, but don't wish you played guitar. <laughs> like, that is dangerous. Mm -hmm. That is, and stress, uh, this guy, Naval, uh, Naval Ravikant, those two guys are friends, Naval and Koppel. Naval said, um, stress is the idea of being somewhere else or doing something else while you are already somewhere doing something. And I think about that all the time. If, if I want to be a great guitarist and I think about this while watching Netflix, <laughs> then I have to tell myself, do you really want to? Or do you want the idea of it? Because if you really wanted to, you would be practicing instead of watching Netflix. And it's not that one thing is better or worse than another. But I can't want one thing and do the other. You have to do the thing that you want. And that's where Make Word Music lives. It's people <laughs> who know what they want through music 
and they do it and they do it in their way. I don't care what the music sounds like. Like I had this artist, Sarah Groves. Uh, she's a Christian uh, singer in uh, Minnesota. She's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And sure, most of her songs are cowboy chords, you know, G, C, D, A minor, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get so much flack from people. Stop featuring her. Several people, people said, why is she on this site? Get mm-hmm. her off. Stop. Mm-hmm posting about her and it's like no you don't see it (laughs) Mm -hmm. you don't see that she has a vision that she is like actually engaging with and performing with Mm -hmm. and i can't stop that i mean i don't care how many subscribers there are i'm doing this because i love shining a light on that and it inspires me to be better and i think that there's well obviously there's a few thousand people who feel the same and i'm sure the audience is much bigger uh, but I'm not willing to sacrifice myself in the ways that I see other uh, YouTubers, you know, larger platforms doing. I, I'm just not going to sacrifice myself. It's not going to be about me. I'm not going to make the stupid thumbnail where I'm like, whatever, <laughs> you know, like it, to me, that's okay. selling out and I don't want to sell out. Yeah. You got so, me on a soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, great, great. Thank you so much, Anthony. I think this is this is a good moment to maybe um, um, not give people more material to distract themselves with. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm kidding here, obviously, because like it's not our responsibility, right? What right. people do. Um, That's right. It's 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 been a, a pleasure, and I hope that you will let us know when the when the book is out. And like when I first contacted you about, you know, doing this interview for my podcast, mm-hmm. um, I, I was thinking of, of talking about the book exclusively. Um, but thank you for this perspective. And at some point, let's talk again in a few months, um, because there are so many other topics I wanted to, t- would like to tackle with you. Well, uh, Thank you very much for having me and uh, thanks for listening so well and for so long. I know I, I can speak a lot when I'm not doing make weird music stuff. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, I do want to do a live stream about the book when I have the final draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd love for you to join. That way we can I'd talk about what the book actually is yes. instead of the book being a book. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I think it would be great if we can do that. So let's do that in a few weeks. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, ha- Marcus. Have a beautiful day. And I Thank guess you, 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 you'll have relatively warm weather compared to us here. So. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, well, 46 degrees right now, which is a little chilly. Was that eight or 10 degrees or something like that? For oh, you? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, by the, by the midday, it'll be 15 to 18, I think. Wonderful. Please say hi to your family. And, Thank you, um, you too, Marcus. Talk to you again soon.